Before we start the episode, I want to tell you about my new friends at Email Tool Tester. Let's face it, email is, well, a mess. But one company aims to become your email marketing buddy. Meet Email Tool Tester, the place to find reviews on the best email marketing services. What's special about Email Tool Tester is their extensive deliverability tests, so you can find out how your email marketing is performing in the market. So whether you're just starting out with email marketing or you're a pro, Email Tool Tester can help you step up your game. Learn more by clicking the link in the show notes or by visiting emailtooltester.com. For us, it was when we decided to expand the tech stack that we support prematurely. When we started the company, one of the main things that we did was like define an interface for the testing framework plugins to communicate with. And then we were like, okay, now we have to get more and more testing framework plugins or integrations so we can ingest more customers. You find out that instead of taking every customer that comes in and giving and meeting them where they're at, you can define your funnel based on the tech stack that you support, which is the right thing to do. I'm sure some people who are listening right now are like, yeah, you should have known that from the start, but it's more difficult when it's not in hindsight. My name is Eyal Regev, and I'm the CTO here at Redefine. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labpart, and today how Al Regev is enabling you with split-second dev cycles, all powered by artificial intelligence. This episode is sponsored by KiteWorks. Legacy-managed file transfer tools lack proper security, putting sensitive data at risk. With KiteWorks MFT, companies can send automated or ad hoc files in a fully integrated, highly secure manner. The solution is FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense and has been so since 2017. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. This episode is sponsored by ClearQuery. ClearQuery is the Analytics for Humans platform. With their full suite of features, you can go from data ingestion to automated insights seamlessly. With Ask ClearQuery, you can find valuable insights into your data using plain English. Don't miss the opportunity to simplify your data analytics with ClearQuery. Get started today at clearquery.io slash codestory. Eyal Regev lives in Tel Aviv and continues working hard on his startup despite the conflict in the country at the time of this recording. Prior to his current venture, he was in tech for 10 years, doing consulting in cybersecurity, healthcare, and gaming. Being a gamer for a long time, he enjoyed the technical challenges in bringing a game to market. Outside of tech, he likes to write raps and forecasts that he will perform them one day. He also likes to do rock climbing and play board games with friends. Eyal and his co-founder noticed the trends of automation in continuous integration and development processes, or CICD. They also noticed that over time, 
This has created a lot of clutter and bloat in the ecosystem. They wanted to filter out bad practices and build a platform to reduce feedback time and redefine CICD. This is the creation story of Redefine. Redefine is a CI optimization platform. That means that we take our customers' CI pipelines and CI environments and we optimize them so that they are they give the feedback much faster to the developers while saving resources for the organization and being able to provide a seamless development experience to the entire development organization. CI is one of the main building blocks of the development of the modern development process over the last 10 years. As part of the development process, developers take the code that already is delivered to the customers, basically the main version of the code, and they create their own versions separately from the main version. These versions that the developers work with need to end up back at the customer's hands. And the process, this process is called merging first to, into the main version of the code and then deploying it to get it to the customer. Lately, in the last 10 years, this process has become automated. What was previously a one week or one month process where tech organizations would release one version every week or a month or maybe even a year back to the old Photoshop. You'd buy Photoshop 1 and then you'd get Photoshop 2 a year later. Uh, nowadays, organizations get maybe 10, 100, 1,000 releases or deployments per day. And the way that they do it is using automated platforms that run the tests and perform the deployment, perform the rollback, perform all these different things automatically once the code is ready to be to get to the customer. Over the last 10 years, it just become this bloat. It's a sandbox. The organizations are in charge of defining it and coding it themselves. And whenever you get a sandbox, you just end up with a lot of sand. And this sand makes moving around and doing all these different actions very difficult. And what Redefine does is it basically siphons all of that out and it optimizes the testing process to allow organizations to move quickly and only run the necessary uh, tests based on the changes that the developer introduced. So let's dive into the MVP. So the first version of the product, tell me about you know, how it was built, how long it took to build, and what sort of tools were used to bring it to life. The MVP is, in my opinion, a really interesting part of the journey. You don't build a product for it to be an MVP. When we raised funds, which was January 2022, that was the peak of the Gartner hype cycle of funding around the world. And everyone was like, we need to execute as fast as we can. We need to hire as much as we can. And we need to make sure that we get to the next funding round. Just everything has to be as fast as possible. The MVP is not just a working product. The MVP has to be something that people have to truly love. And from then on, I've, I've really come to look at the MVP as more of an MLP, a minimum lovable product. And it doesn't have to be the linear or all these amazing products that you just enjoy using. It has to be something that your customer, which can be an organization, it can be a director, it can be, they have to love it to the point that they don't want to uninstall it. And I think the journey to get to an MLP is a long one. Because you can have a working product, 
But in order to get the customer to really love that product, it has to have a really good onboarding process. Otherwise, they get tired before they see the value. The value obviously has to be there and it has to be really good. The journey to the MVP was a short one, but I think that the journey to the MLP was a, a bit longer than that. And I think that we are still ironing all the different kinks in the product and making sure that it's lovable to all our customers, to our expanding customer base. But I do think that the main part, the getting to the MLPs, is the most interesting. You know, with any MVP, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs. And you're alluding to some at a high level. I want you to dive into maybe one or two that you had to work through in building the initial version of that product. You know, sometimes it can be technical debt, feature cut, approach, things like that. Tell me about some of those you had to work through and how you coped with those decisions. When you found a company and you have a good support system for founders, like in Israel, you get to hear a lot of things that they tell you, you will encounter and you have to be ready for them. And one of the things is you have to focus. Don't let certain customers derail your product roadmap. Make sure that you're always aiming to your ICP. And all these things, you hear them and you want to practice them, but until you really encounter that situation, it's really hard to understand when you're already off the rails. For us, it was when we decided to expand the tech stack that we support in very much pr prematurely. What I mean by that is that we integrate with the customer's testing frameworks. We have integration with multiple testing frameworks today. But when we started it, when we started the company, one of the main things that we did was like define an interface for the testing framework plugins to communicate with. And then we were like, okay, now we have to get more and more testing framework plugins or integrations so we can ingest more customers. You find out that instead of taking every customer that comes in and giving and meeting them where they're at, you can define your funnel based on the tech stack that you support, which is the right thing to do. I'm sure some people who are listening right now are like, yeah, you should have known that from the start, from the beginning, but it's more difficult when it's not in hindsight. Um, but you should really define the funnel of your customers best based on the tech stack that you support and go out and find those specific customers that are within your, I don't know, your ICP or your tech stack support frame or whatever, however you define it. Because having to support like five or six or four integrations at the same time when you just founded the company, integrations are always the most difficult part when it comes to development. It makes it so that you have really difficult time getting to the product roadmap that you want to build. And so you find you find yourself in a point where you're at that MVP that you we've talked about before, but you're not yet at the MLP level. Your your use your customers can use your your product, but they don't yet love it. And when you have to support all these different tech stacks, all these different customers, it's really difficult to make that leap from MVP to MLP. We decided that we are dropping some of the integrations. Obviously, we still have the code. We can started over once we were at the stage where we feel that we, like we were comfortable with that. But we just dropped some of the integrations and we decided to focus on our product roadmap to make sure that the customers, the main customers that we care about, they get a lovable product, something that they will truly enjoy based on the one or two integrations that we decided to support. It felt like a flying out of a cannon, like features of the product roadmap were coming in left and right customers, we, we started getting amazing feedback from our customers. So once we got to that product market fit, that's the point where we started looking back into 
expanding the integrations back so we can support and ingest more customers into our funnel. This episode is sponsored by Cashfly. The web is a competitive place, and if your site delivers its content pixelated, slow, or not at all, well, then you lose. But that's where Cashfly comes in. Cashfly delivers rich media content up to 159% faster than other major CDNs. Through ultra-low latency streaming, lightning-fast gaming, and optimized mobile content, the company offers a variety of benefits. For over 20 years, Cashfly has held a track record for high-performing, ultra-reliable content delivery. While competitors call themselves fast or use cute animal names, only Cashfly holds the record of being the fastest and serves customers like Adobe, the NFL, or Roblox, where content is created by users and must be delivered in real time. For the first time ever, Code Story listeners can get a 5-terabyte CDN for free. Yep, you heard that right, free. Learn more at cashfly.com slash codestory. That's C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com slash codestory. This episode is sponsored by KiteWorks. Legacy managed file transfer tools are dated and lack the security that today's remote workforce demands. Companies that continue relying on outdated technology put their sensitive data at risk. And that's where KiteWorks comes in. KiteWorks MFT is absolutely the most secure MFT on the market today. It has been FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense since 2017. Through FedRAMP, KiteWorks level of security compliance provides a fast route to CMMC compliance, saving customers time, effort, and money. KiteWorks MFT makes it easy for users to send automated or ad hoc files via fully integrated shared folders and email. Administrators can manage policies in a unified console and create custom integrations using their API. Did we mention it's secure? The level of security with KiteWorks solution is rare to find. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. That's K-I-T-E-W-O-R-K-S dot com. Let's move forward then. So you've got the MVP, it's working. How did you progress the product from that point and mature it? And I think, you know, to wrap it in a box a little bit, and, and you, you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but how have you built your roadmap? And how do you go about building your roadmap? And, and I think what I'm curious about there is how you decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Redefine. First and foremost, what defines your product is your customers. It's not that you go to your customer, they tell you, I want this or that, and then you do it, and then you get a better product. A lot of times you get a more cluttered product. I think it requires a lot of product work, which means sitting down with the customers or exploring the customer's journey throughout the product that you're making, realizing where they are getting the value that they expect and where they're getting stuck whether it's the onboarding process, whether it's the value itself, maybe it's not high enough, maybe something is withholding them from getting that value. For example, if you're integrating with testing frameworks and you have the most amazing machine learning models or you have the most amazing optimization, but for some reason, the version that they are running is not supporting your plugin or integration, that withholds them from getting the value. So you end up making the core value that you've made and you've made it available for one customer or two, you're making it more robust. When a product becomes more mature is when you can go to a new customer as a founder, as a salesperson, 
with the confidence that you'll be able to provide them with the value that you want to give them, right? Because when you first found a company, when you first make a product going through the first six months, 12 months, you see the value in that one customer that perfectly fits your scenario. And you're like, why are not all the customers like that customer? And what you end up understanding is that all the customers are like that customer, or maybe all your ICP are good, but you have to do work for them to be able to use your product properly and get all the value that you want to give them. When I look at our product to where it is right now and what we're looking forward towards is making it so that more organizations will receive, first of all, that the value that we give will always keep uh, improving the core value, the thing that we are selling to organizations and why organizations are using really fine, but also making it so that it's easy to integrate, it's easy to use, it's very clear how to work with it and how to continue using it and maybe expanding to other different CI pipelines in your organization. And also at some point you look forward and you say, okay, how can I provide more value to my customers in a way that I did not provide before, which doesn't stray away from my journey. So I hear you saying we. Tell me about how you built your team and what do you look for in those people to indicate that they're the winning horses to join you? One of the main things I realized, took me a while to realize it, but that I'm not the best manager. I'm a very good tech leader. I am very good, I think, with customers. But I realized at some point that I had to take a step back and we brought in uh, one of, we actually promoted one of the main employees to be a VP R&D and the company is all the better for it because he is really good at his job and I'm not good at his job, I'm good at my job and we had to separate that. When you get funding, you start approaching your network and going around and saying, hey, I'm building this amazing thing. I feel very confident that I'm getting funding or maybe I already got funded. Do you know anyone who's looking to go on a journey and specifically to be one of the first employees? It's a very specific thing because I think that for a lot of people, being one of the first employees and seeing it for themselves in their own eyes, it can be either a stepping stone to being founders themselves, or maybe they want to just you know, be part of that process and, and really build something that wasn't there before. And I think that this mission resonated with a lot of people so that we got a lot of people that we could interview. A lot of them we already knew from before, whether we worked with them or we worked with someone who's worked with them, which brought a lot of confidence to their level of expertise. And this allowed us to build a team that was very strong from day one. Going from there to where we are right now, especially with the downturn in the market and everything that happened in the macroeconomics, I think that it's always about measuring and reflecting how people are performing in a way that's not aimed to be like, are you doing well or are you not doing well? It's aimed to help people understand whether they are up to the standards of the organization. We want our developers, our marketing, everyone in Redefine to be working with people who they are proud to be working with and they can learn from. And once you have someone who's maybe underperforming, that doesn't only affect the uh, product, it also affects the people around them. When you really give people the feeling that you expect the organization to perform in a way that satisfies the customers and provides the value that you want to bring. And this is something that is the basis 
of how you build your organization helps people to elevate each other. And sometimes it, it means providing standards that not everybody stands up to. And departures are always a very difficult process and always more difficult to the departee, I know. But I think that it makes the organization a better organization and it also allows people to be very proud of their work and the work of their peers. Hello, welcome to the Data Analytics Club. Do you know the password? No, I didn't know there was one. Do you know how to code? Uh, no. Do you know how to query data? Like, ask a question? I guess not. Hmm, I see. Then you can't be in this club. Sorry, goodbye. Don't be left out of the Analytics Club. ClearQuery is the Analytics for Humans platform. With their full suite of features, you can go from data ingestion to automated insights seamlessly. ClearQuery provides you with the information you need without requiring you to do the heavy lifting. Their Ask ClearQuery feature allows you to ask questions in plain English, helping you find relationships and connections in your data that may have previously gone unnoticed. You can even visualize your data with presentation mode, taking your data storytelling to the next level. Pricing is based on storage, not licenses, and that ensures that you get the most bang for your buck. Don't miss the opportunity to simplify data analytics, your data analytics, with ClearQuery. Get started today at clearquery.io slash codestory. This episode is sponsored by Cashfly. The web is a competitive place, and if your site delivers its content pixelated, slow, or not at all, well, then you lose. But that's where Cashfly comes in. Cashfly delivers rich media content up to 159% faster than other major CDNs. Through ultra-low latency streaming, lightning-fast gaming, and optimized mobile content, the company offers a variety of benefits. For over 20 years, Cashfly has held a track record for high-performing, ultra-reliable content delivery. While competitors call themselves fast or use cute animal names, only Cashfly holds the record of being the fastest and serves customers like Adobe, the NFL, or Roblox, where content is created by users and must be delivered in real time. For the first time ever, Code Story listeners can get a 5-terabyte CDN for free. Yep, you heard that right, free. Learn more at cashfly.com slash codestory. That's C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com slash codestory. This will be interesting. Given what you have built, I'm curious about scalability. And if you built this to scale efficiently from day one or with scale in mind, maybe abstractions or things like that, or have you been fighting this as you grow and gain traction? If you'd ask that question like two years ago, people would be like, yeah, we expect 30 customers from day one, maybe 200 customers after the first year. Depends on it's a PLG company or not, I don't know. I think that for us, it was always about proving that it can happen, right? Because we're taking, as I mentioned before, we're taking a challenge that was basically only solved or implemented in the really high tech. Google, Meta, Microsoft, these are the kind of companies that have tried to solve this problem internally. And really, we just decided that we want to solve this challenge commercially and really be able to provide it to different organizations. And when you decide on something like that, you, your organization becomes an organization that specializes in problem solving. And it's okay. Not every organization has to be built about making things that are always scalable and, and always expect like a million users or a million customers and so on. Since we are running on every CI run, 
of our customers. We get thousands, tens of thousands, millions of requests a day. But at the same time, I think that we take an approach of problem solving. So whenever we realize that something becomes an issue or is close to becoming an issue, we understand the next scale that we have to adapt to. And then we adapt to that scale. So it, there's always like the zero to one and then one to 10 and then 10 to 100 and so on. For Redefine, this is how we approach different technical challenges. But obviously it depends on the challenge. If it's something, if you already have a customer base and you want to introduce a new feature, you won't build it for a zero to one if you already know that it's going to be running on 10 customers the day after. So as you step out on the balcony, and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? Honestly, I think it's too early in the journey to tell. All that I've built is, I think, the tip of the iceberg in terms of redefine and also my personal journey. And I think that being proud of what I'm doing right now, I can look at a lot of different things. Actually founding redefine, taking the leap of faith, going on this journey, getting the funding, bringing in the best people. I'm really proud of the team that we have right now, of every single one of them. Making a product that provides real value to enterprise customers is something that I'm very proud of. I think that delivering in difficult times is something that I'm very proud of. Making this company even better than it was before during this market downturn, during these, all these different things that are happening right now and getting more customers, getting them happy is something that I'm very proud of. But I feel like I'm more proud of what's to come. I'm looking forward to it very much. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. We took a lot of people who are very talented, uh, most of them with a cybersecurity background, with a promise of making something that will change how developer and the de how developers work and how the development process looks like, the modern development process. And it really also like synergizes as well with the entire LLM trend that we have right now of LLMs making more and more code. That means more and more tests and so on. But when you bring so many people from a very homogenic background, you end up with some blind spots in terms of like your tech knowledge and so on. And I think for us, one of the uh, blind spots that we've encountered early on was data processing and, and hosting. We worked with solutions that we knew and worked with previously, which was like regular databases. And we realized early on that it wasn't a good fit for the problem that we're facing or the, the, the amount of data and the way that we work with data right now. But instead of bringing in experts, we just tried to learn how to do it on the fly. And when you have a lot of different things to handle at the same time, you find out that you're building something that's like a patch on top of a patch on top of a patch and so on. And something that we've done quite recently is bring in some experts on the topic uh, to really help us prepare for a bigger scale and also integrate some functionalities that are very much helping us focus on the main product roadmap instead of tech debt. And it's not obvious that you find that tech expert that really knows the, the, the field, and maybe even if they know the field, it might not be a good fit, but the tech experts that we've worked with on this problem are were amazing, and so far we're quite satisfied. And I think the previous mistake that I've mentioned before with the testing frameworks integration, I think that here, if we would have done that a lot earlier, we, were, we would have been in a better spot, technically speaking. 
there, there really are a lot of mistakes that you can choose out of. And I think dwelling on them is not necessarily how you get better, but it's like finding the common thread and trying to solve that. How come that we've reached that point? How come that we didn't do a reflection process earlier on? And so on. This will be fun. Given it's, you know, it's early days and you're a founder, what does the future look like for the product and for your team? I'll start with the customers, not the product or the team. I think that for our customers, we're looking to bring the instant feedback to our customers' developers. We're looking to really make the new age development process, the one that has all these different tools that assist you with writing your code and getting your code to production. And we're looking to close the loop because right now you can write code instantly. You can even ask, you know, ChatGPT or Copilot Chat to do most of the work for you. But you still have to wait all this time uh, until your code can reach production. Maybe even there is a test failing or something that you weren't aware of and you have to go through the process again and again. And for all the customers, all of Redefine customers, two, three years, five years from now, we're looking to make that process instantaneous. And what it means is not only just making it shorter by 80 or 90%, I'm talking about cutting out all the different loops that you have to do, all the different cycles, all the different, oh, I just got a bug and I need to fix that and I send it over to the CI again. We're looking to cut that out. We're looking to provide instant feedback. We're looking to provide it to more customers to integrate with your SEM, VCS, everything, and really make the new generation of development workflows a possibility because it's a big promise, but it's not there yet. And I think it also touches the product side that you've asked. I think for our team, I want to provide them with an opportunity, to with multiple opportunities. One is to really make an impact on how development works and looks like, not all of them, but the core team that we started with were developers. Everyone here are marketing, are sales. They're all very passionate about this topic. Some of them are learning it on their free time, even if they're not developers and even if they don't want to be developers at any point. And I think it's a very big passion and getting that impact out to the world is something that we care about very much. And I think another thing is to really give the opportunity for them to go on a personal journey of development and, and be be able to face new challenges all the way from that single customer getting the product to work to how we build something that scales and handles a billion of requests a day and petabytes of data that are ingested and a marketing campaign that has to reach enterprise businesses where they are looking for products and all these different challenges. And I look forward to getting there. Let's switch to you, Al. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. It's not only the way I work, but also a lot of the different things in my life has, have been affected mainly by my close family. It goes all the way back to my parents, who are both very successful in their fields here in Israel. My mom's an architect. And if you travel around the country, you've probably stepped in a garden or a field or something that was made by her. And my father is a car designer. He used to design for Mazda in Japan. And he did a lot of car design and industrial design here, work here in Israel. My brother and sister also set very high goals for themselves. My sister is just finishing her psychology studies and internship. Uh, my brother is a VPRND here in Israel in a startup that, was, that has exited to Palo Alto Networks. So for me, it was always an environment where I felt that success is achievable. 
I think that's a very important thing for young people, and I think that it gives people the opportunity to dream when they see people success, being successful around them. I think this is something that for me has been sort of like a guiding star during my journey. Okay, so we talked about a mistake, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? It doesn't have to be something that, you know, didn't work, could have worked well, but maybe, maybe you'd tweak it a little bit. I think it's difficult to say. The, the one mistake that we've talked about is, you know, a technological mistake that we've made, or maybe a product mistake that we've made, different ways to look at it. I think that at the end of the day, there's, there are many mistakes along this journey. And it's fine as long as you take the time to learn from them and to apply what you learn the next time you encounter a similar situation or different situations. Otherwise, there's no growing in this process. We've raised capital in a very specific you know, time. We've raised it at the high of the bubble, beginning of 2022, two months afterwards. There was uh, the Russia-Ukraine war has begun. And from there, the markets have significantly changed. If I look back right now, I would probably look at myself, first of all, very proud, because I think it's a very interesting and and difficult journey to go through. Uh, But at the same time, I think that it's always good to remember that things are not always as they seem right now. And this is something that I recommend for any entrepreneur or people who want to be entrepreneurs to to keep in mind. And it goes both ways. You know, it's very easy to be at the top of the world and think that you're always going to be at the top of the world. And it's very easy to look at things and how they are right now, whether in the whole world or even here in Israel, and look at it and say, you know, things are not never going to get better. And things are very dynamic. Uh, Time heals a lot and time can also bring different difficulties. And I think patience and, and just keeping your, a straight head it goes a long way. Hey, y'all, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person? Having gone down this road a bit, maybe, maybe it echoes what you just said, but I'm curious what you're going to say. It's a, it's a very difficult question because I think that for the most part... Uh, I still believe that here at Redefine, myself, my partner, Lior, we're at the earlier stages of our journey. We have great goals and ambitions that we want to achieve. Uh, We've been going at it for almost two years now, uh, but it's still the earlier parts of the life cycle of a startup. And I think that if I would be there to advise to another entrepreneur at the earlier stages of their startup, I would probably be focusing on the fact that things are not always in your control. But as long as you believe in what you're making and believe in the goal that you've set for yourself, focus on what you can control and do that to the best of your abilities and better than anyone else. Because everybody else is going through the same things, the same motions, the same macroeconomics, the same, I don't know, disasters or amazing things that are happening around them. So as long as you focus on what you can do best and do it better than anyone else, you'll, you'll get there. And I think this is something that I try to tell to myself every day. If I had to give them another advice, I will always say, know your ICP as soon as possible. It will save you a lot of headaches on your way there. Um, So yeah, that's it. That's fantastic advice. Well, Eyal, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Redefine. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. 
Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.